Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. You're visiting today. Um, welcome. Great to have you with us. Uh, sharing uh, around worship and the Word and, and the mission. The mission that, um, my goodness, uh, we have been going to India now for a long time. Uh, I've been going since 1985, so that's a while. But uh, Highway as a church, uh, I guess around 20-something years we've, we've been sowing over in that mission field and it's great to see, you know, what God is doing. I leave in the morning uh, and back on Saturday I'm going over for a, a global uh, conference um, with all of the uh, NGOs that uh, we work through um, over there in Hyderabad. So pray for me because uh, it's getting harder and harder to actually get into the country now. Um, India wants to be a first world nation and a first world nation doesn't have any uh, foreign aid. So what they're trying to do is shut down all the foreign aid um, so that they can be a first world nation. But the reality of that is that they're not going to care for the poor. Um, they're just going to let it, I know how it works. And um, so when you believe in reincarnation and, uh, you know, it doesn't matter if you die because then the next time you come, you'll get a better chance. You know, so I don't have to care for the poor. You know, I don't have to, I can see you dying on the side of the road. It's okay, that's your journey. You know, you'll come back next time and you get a better shot. You know, if you learnt the lessons in this life, You'll get a better shot at the next life. So that's their philosophy. That's their religion. And, um, um, you know, so pray for us because immigration is getting tougher and tougher um, uh, to get in if you're, if you're a white Christian person. And it's, it's getting very difficult. Unless you do yoga. They're big on yoga. Um, I don't think I've got the body for yoga, but... You know, um, I don't think I could pass that off, but uh, it's, it's, becoming, it's becoming serious. So please pray that the doors remain open uh, so that we can make a difference in these, in these lives. And the work that you do uh, as a church is phenomenal. Um, so thank you for that. Um, how good was Pastor Don last week? Were you here? Pastor Don McDonnell? He's a crazy Kiwi. He's a crazy Kiwi. We love him. He's part of this house. Um, he preached a message called You the Church, which was interesting, wasn't it? I've been preaching on the church for weeks and weeks. And uh, he made this one statement that I loved, and it was, wherever you are, the church turns up because you are the church. So not just these four walls, but everywhere you are, everywhere you go in your Monday to, to Saturday lifestyle, you know, wherever you go, that's where the church is because you are the church. And I'm sure that every believer, you know, in this room uh, would love the, that, to be able to experience that continual connection with the Holy Spirit, being able to hear the voice of God, being being able to be the hands and the feet of God, the voice of God in, in every situation to, to bring life. But I think the trap is that we become so focused on me getting my act together, you know, me becoming right, um, me, you know, um, 
getting myself in order before I can do anything. The, re- the reality is that, you know, that stops us focusing on the world around us every day, every moment. Because we are the church. And I know with Pastor Don, you can be sitting in a coffee shop chatting with him, talking with him. He's got one eye on you, one eye on the crowd. He's, he's totally focused on people. People are uh, the most important. And uh, there's one passage of scripture I thought about this week that, you know, I guess reminds me of Pastor Don, and it would be 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. And it says, For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. And if I'm ever late for a meeting with Pastor Don, or if I'm ever late for an appointment, or whatever happens, it's because he stopped to talk to somebody. Uh, it's continual. Wherever you go with him, he, he just talks to anybody. He's a serial talker. Uh, he'll talk to absolutely anyone, anytime. Uh, I remember when I first met him about, you know, 25 years ago now. I took him up to the Bean Lee chicken spot. And, of course, they don't have Red Rooster in New Zealand. Um, I don't know why. Uh, they might have, you know, red kiwi there. I don't know. But, uh, but they don't have red rooster apparently. So when he come to Australia, he used to say, mate, take me to the red rooster place. He loves red rooster. And uh, we're, you know, we're in the, in, in the shop at the counter ordering um, and I'm standing there looking up at the thing and he's making his order and um, within seconds he's leading the girl uh, at the counter to Jesus. And there's like 10 people waiting to order. <laughs> and I'm thinking, this, is, this doesn't happen every day, you know, and uh, where the cashier gets saved. So pretty special sort of a guy. I want to have a look at this passage of Scripture today to see what we can learn. The first thing in verse 14 in that passage of Scripture It says, for Christ's love compels us. Christ's love is the first thing that I want to talk about. Because to me, it demonstrates the power of love. I mean, how powerful is love that that God would send his son to earth to be sacrificed for you and I? We weren't even born then. We weren't even created then. And, And yet the love of God was so strong and so powerful that he would do that. How crazy is this love that people would lay down their lives for somebody else? I mean, I know as a father and a husband, if, you know, if, if I was put in a situation where it was me and my wife and kids, you know, it'd be me. You know, absolutely, hands down. I, I, I don't even have to think about that. Why? Because love for them compels you to do those crazy things. Those crazy things, without a second thought. John 15, verse 12 to 13, Jesus speaking, he says, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, 
then he laid down his life for his friends. And I think the word to every believer today is simply that that scripture is not optional. It's a command. We are commanded to love. Now, for all those rebel natures out there, you know, you don't like to be commanded to do anything. I'm telling you, this is how it works. This is how it works. It's not optional whether we love that person or love that person. No, it's a command of Jesus Christ because of the love of Christ that we have experienced. We are compelled to love others. Why aren't you cheering right now? Why aren't you cheering? Who's that in your mind right now? Who's that face in your mind that you're thinking, I'm not loving that one. I'm not loving that person. Well, I'm telling you, you're going to have a bit of a challenge. I have to ask that question in the light of that scripture, are we missing something? Are we missing something? See, I've prayed many times for the Lord to give me a love for people, which is handy in my job, right? Sort of part of my, you know, tools of trade is that I've got to love everybody. And so you get a picture in your mind of a sea of faces and you say, God, give me love for these people. Give me love for these people. Why? So that when I'm with them, it's not, it's not you know, this barrier between us. That when I'm with them or, or, or when I, you know, connect with them or speak with them or whatever it is, there's a love of Christ that is radiating out of me so I can make a difference in their life. It's that simple. It's that important. And you've got to, you know, let's face it, there are, there are people that we naturally gravitate to and there are those that we don't. Is that right? But see, we, we can't be um, selective like that. We are compelled to love all people. I, I get annoyed with people that... that you know, put on an Australian jersey but won't sing the anthem. That's just me. You know, I understand people have a right to protest and, uh, you know, knock yourself out, go for it. Uh, protest all you like but don't put on the jersey. That makes sense? You know, don't play for Australia if you've got something against the anthem, the flag, the whatever that is. Amen? Don't have too many followers there. But I've got to love those people, whether they sing the anthem or not. I've got to love them, which is tough for me. But I've got to do it. And with Christ's love working within us, we've got to see everybody the same. We've got to see everybody the same. Because number two, this, this love in verse 14, it says that, you know, for Christ's love compels us. It compels us. The word compel means to force or drive to a course of action. To force or drive to a course of action. So what that's saying is that Christ's love towards me compels me to a course of action. To a course of action. It's like I don't have an option. I'm compelled. And I want us to get the picture here because, you know, it's not something that the love of Christ is not something that we can gather. It's not something that we can, you know, sort of hoard. We can't put it on a shelf, you know. We can't keep it 
for a rainy day. No, the love of Christ continually compels us that that love would flow through us to somebody else. It's a compelling, it's a compulsion that that we can't help ourselves because I've been forgiven of so much. Because I've been, you know, the grace of God that's been poured out on me. Because I've been given this amazing opportunity to be a child of God, I am compelled to take that opportunity to all those who are far from God. I'm compelled to do that. It would be wrong for me not to do that. So as we embrace the love of Christ, our eyes immediately come off ourselves and onto God's greater purpose. So wherever I am, the church shows up. Wherever I am, the church shows up. And this is the difference with being in church and being in Christ. Two different things. You can be in church but not be in Christ. That's the challenge. And all of a sudden, people matter. Wasn't it Paul that said, I must decrease and Christ must increase? And this is what, you know, it means. It directly relates to those who are far from God in my life, that there's this drive, a force that compels me to want them to know the, the God that I know. You know, to take that message to, to countries that, that you know, that, that don't hear Christ. That because of what he's given me, I, I, I'm compelled to be able to let this message bring transformation everywhere I go. I can't help it. Also makes me a better dad, I think. Also makes me a better husband. Philippians chapter 2, let let me read that to you this morning. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 to 4, listen to this. It says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. Like if you've received anything from God, if you've received mercy or grace or forgiveness or compassion from God, if you've received that, you know what that feels like. It's like now, be like-minded. Do the same. Having the same love, being one in spirit and one of mind, of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. There's a good marriage right there. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. I've got to tell you, that's totally anti-flesh thinking. The flesh hates that passage of Scripture. It hates it. The flesh is trying to tune out. It's trying to 
to, to think of other things right now. It's trying to distract and divert away from the revelation, the truth, that is going to be life-transforming. Flesh hates that. That's why we're compelled by the love of Christ and not our own love. Because our own love is insufficient. Amen? Our own love is selective. Our own love comes with conditions, with expectations. Amen? But Christ's love doesn't. And if we have received it, we've got to be like-minded and begin to project that everywhere we go. To be that light in the darkness. To be that difference, because no one's doing it, folks. Everyone's living for me. Amen? Very few have an other's mentality. It's just our nature. We're not bad people. We're just born human. But Christ changes all that. Christ changes all that. There's no glory in this for me. All the glory is for God. Have you ever been blessed by someone? Has someone ever, you know, like gone out of their way and really did something that absolutely blessed your life? And then you hear down the track that that, that same person is now in need. What's your first response? Your first response is, well, I'll help. What can I do? Why? Because that person so blessed your life and now you've got an opportunity to, to give some payback for that, that kindness, that generosity, you know, the, 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 the gratitude that wells up within you. Like, oh, yeah, what do they need? I'm in. It's the same. It's the same when we understand what Christ's love has done for us. And so when we need, see a need or we see others that are doing a tough whatever, it's like, well, what do you need? I'm up. I'm up for this. Why? Because I've been given so much. That love of Christ has been so poured into me. I've been forgiven of so much. I know me. What a wretch. Amen? What a horrible person. But the grace and the mercy of God don't even look at that and forgives me and blesses me. How can I be indifferent to anybody else? How can I, how can I be not thankful to the point that it doesn't matter what anyone else does? I'm full. I just got to pour out. I got to pour out what's been poured in. Amen? compels us. We can't help ourselves. The third one today, and this is, this is the reason, man, this is the reason. Verse 15. Verse 15. It says, And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again was raised again. I want you to catch this this morning. Was raised again. This is the why behind the what. 
This is the why behind the what. This is the whole reason. Why would God go to all that trouble? Why would he expect us to care for others? I mean, what's the big deal? What's, what's behind that? Because if we don't care for others, then it will totally, our life, our whole life will be totally wasted upon ourselves. That's an exclamation mark at the end of the sentence. It abruptly stops there. When it's all about me, that's it. It stops. It doesn't go any further. Amen? You're quiet. Are you all right? I'm getting a little excited for you. What? Hang in there. It doesn't get any better. <laughs> the biggest truth we'll ever learn in this life is that this life ain't it. This ain't it. This isn't it, whatever your English persuasion. This life is not it. Jesus was raised again to spend eternity with the Father. If this place was it, why would he leave? Why would he go? Now this ain't it. This is the trap. How many of us believe in eternity today? Put your hand up. You believe, you believe in eternity. And you know when I talk eternity, we're saying forever and forever and forever, right? That's eternity. We know our spirit lives on. Now, this body's going to cark it. It'll go back to dust. No two ways about that. It's a, a cycle. True. Had the rooster. We're all going to go there someday, right? You can laugh, but I'm probably closer than many of you. But we know that's going to happen. What then? Well, our spirit lives in eternity. What does that look like? I'm not sure. But I don't want to be on the right side of it. This is the trap. We believe in eternity. We know it's forever and ever. Then why do we put most of our time, our energy and our resources into this average of 70 years here? Why does a lousy 70 years average here in comparison to forever and ever and ever, why does that consume 98% of, of everything we are? Doesn't make sense, does it? Doesn't make sense. We've got to change our thinking. Matthew 6, 19, 20. It's what Jesus says. So you've got to listen. He said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And see, the last line there puts the whole thing in perspective. Look at where your treasure is and you'll know where your heart is. It's as simple as that. Look at where your treasure is and you'll know where your heart is. 
And it's not about he who gathers the most toys wins. That's not the game. It's he who who transforms as many lives as they can with what they have and the time they have on this earth. That's where the game's at. That's what it's all about. Why? Because none of this is eternal. It's going to burn. Amen? The only thing eternal are people. People. That's heaven's currency. I'm not saying sell everything and live under a bridge. That's foolish. I'm not saying that. But are we focused on making a difference in people's lives? Or is it all about us? Amen? That's the question. If we can just answer that, if we can just operate out of that, we can change our world. We can change our world. Because Christ's love compels us to do that. How compelled are we? How compelled are we who call ourselves believers? How compelled are we because of that that Christ's love that we've received, that forgiveness, that mercy, that grace, unconditional love of God for us? How compelled are we to make a difference everywhere we go? because of what we have received. Amen? It's a challenge, isn't it? But I tell you what, you start to operate in that, you'll come alive. You'll come alive. You'll start to see transformation and change, not only in the people in your world, but in you yourself. It'll position you to, I've watched people, I've been going to India a long time, long time, I've watched people. And they first get there and there's this culture shock You know, there's this culture shock of, my goodness, how could anybody live in this? And it's the smells and it's the food and it's the the stuff they see in the beggars in the street and people laying on the road everywhere. But then you start to meet some of the people. You start to see some of the faces and start to, you know, connect with some of the lives and they're rich. Not the circumstances, not the surrounding, but the people are worth everything. They're worth everything. We are compelled to make a difference. They're good? Be a game changer. Be a game changer in someone's life. I, never, I didn't know Stevie was doing this this morning, but this is the message God gave me Friday. This is an emergency message. This is the one where you get on your knees and say, God, Sunday's coming and I've got nothing. So if you don't give me something, I'm going to die up there, literally die. Cark it. So when you put this two together, I'm thinking, maybe God's talking to us, yeah? 
Maybe there's a message above what Pastor Byron is saying that, that we need to listen to that will change our lives, change our world, because we are the church. We are the church. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for your spirit today. Thank you for everything that you've poured into us. Forgive us that we've, we've totally focused on ourselves and, 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 you know, what we can do and what we can get and what we can have and what we, 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 we. Give us eyes to see the emptiness in, in lives, the, the mirror of who we used to be before your love came in and gave us hope and gave us an opportunity and gave us a future. Lord, help us to convey that to those in our world. Help us to convey that to, to everyone that we meet. Amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand this morning.